to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Being on the way, the Lord led me. And the point that I want to make is, you know, when we're looking for guidance from the Lord, a lot of times people are just sort of sitting around doing nothing and saying, well, you know, I'm asking God to lead me, but he hasn't done that. But here's the thing. Don't sit around doing nothing. Get active. Get involved. Be engaged. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapter 24 in a message titled, Led by the Lord. Now here's Pastor Brian. That was the beginning of these these little sort of messages that began to come to me from the Lord about England. Now, at the time that this was happening, there wasn't any thought in my mind that I was actually going to move there or do anything like that. But it was just a sense. I began to get this conviction that I should go there. I should just go and see if the Lord might want to do something because we had been church planting and doing, you know, evangelistic outreach and all in different parts of Europe. So I just, I started to get the sense that we should go check things out in England. So here's what I did. So I wrote a letter. There were five affiliated churches in the UK at the time. And I wrote a letter to each one of them and just said, you know, thinking about and praying about maybe coming over and visiting and just would like to know if you guys would see any value in that. And, you know, that was pretty much the gist of the letter. Put it, put it in the mail, sent it off. And I didn't hear a thing for a few months. Uh, But I was still having this stirring. I was still having this sense that, you know, I was maybe supposed to go. But I I had no word back from any of those guys. So I just began to figure that, well, maybe the Lord just wants me to go and not necessarily worry about that, but just go kind of scout out the land. I got a call. I was in Moscow, actually. I'd gone to Russia, and I got a call from the man who was the missions pastor at our church. And he said, you're never going to believe this conversation I just had. And I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, I got a call from a man named John Vickery, who pastors a church outside of London. And he told me this amazing story. And then Fred was the guy's name. He went on to tell me the story. And, and this, real quickly, this was a story. He had been praying for the Lord to give direction and vision and something, you know, something new. He was part of the the Calvary uh, Fellowship of Churches, but like I said, five small churches in the whole country. He was just, he was praying that the Lord would just do something uh, just to, you know, bring uh, kind of the Calvary Chapel movement into the UK. And he said that as he was praying that morning, my name came to his mind. But the funny thing about it was he didn't know me. He had just heard my name, but he didn't know me. And yet it was clear to him that that my name was being impressed upon his mind. So that that was his prayer time in the morning. Now, a few hours later, when he went into his office, his secretary comes up to him and says, oh, John, I am so sorry there's a letter that came for you a couple of months ago and I misplaced it and I just found it today and here it is. 
Guess what letter that was? <laughs> that was the letter that I had sent a couple of months earlier. And so, you know, I'm in Moscow. Fred's telling me this story on the phone, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is getting interesting, you know? So through all of that, I ended up making contact with John, and we, we finally, you know, went over and did that visit. And again, a strange thing, when we went over and visited that time, and we did a little bit of outreach in some different parts of, of England, we didn't even stop in London on the trip. We didn't even stop in London. We drove through London about 11 o'clock at night on our way somewhere up north. And yet at the end of the trip, when John asked me, well, what do you think after having, you know, been here and visited, what, you know, is there anything on your heart? And the crazy thing was, I said, yeah, I feel like the Lord wants us to plant a church in London. And he says, well, what do you mean plant a church in London? I said, well, I don't know, you know, plant a church in London. He said, well, where at in London? I, well, I, London, you know, where the bridge is and the parliament and, you know, I, I think down there. He says, oh, you can't do that. That's impossible. I said, well, what do you mean it's impossible? Well, you can't get a building down there. It's, it's an impossibility. I said, well, that's what, I don't know. You asked me what I was feeling. I'm just telling you what I was feeling. I felt like the Lord put that on my heart. And so we said goodbye and we came back home and, uh, just continue to pray. The Lord would give wisdom, direction, whatever. A few weeks later, John calls me and says, you're never gonna believe it. I think I found a building in London, <laughs> right where you were talking about. And so, you know, one, I'm not gonna stay up here all night and tell you this whole story, but you know, one thing led to another, to another. But, but it was those kinds of things, along with just that stirring in my heart and in our hearts, it was those kinds of things where the Lord was going before us in, in ways that I would say were similar to this, in very supernatural, unexplainable kinds of ways. And then, of course, you know, when you're making a, a move like we were potentially going to make there, you're always looking for confirmation, just like the servant is doing here. You're always wanting to make sure that the Lord's really in this, and it's not just my imagination or, you know, something worse. And, um, you know, as I would just pray for confirmation and things, I remember as, as we would go over and take these little trips, it was just astounding how every time we would go, the Lord would connect us with people that were lost, people that were open, people that wanted to hear the gospel, taxi drivers and bus drivers and just people on the street that, you know, you'd share with them and they would just want to receive the Lord. All of these, these kinds of things God was using to confirm that that's indeed what he was calling us to. So all of that to say, don't underestimate the supernatural leading of the spirit in your life. God will lead you. So, you know, we need to realize this. The Lord leads us in these ways. He directs us. And again, this isn't the only way God leads us. And we do have to be wise and we do have to be sensitive and we do have to be always checking, you know, the word is our anchor and we've got to be always going back to scripture. Obviously, God's not going to call us to go do something that's going to dishonor him or, or something like that. 
but we can have confidence and expectation that the Lord will lead us in this way. But one of the things that stands out here in that regard is back in verse 27. Look at what it says. Again, it's uh, the servant speaking. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And this is a key point, I think, in this whole thing of, of being led and, and being guided by the Lord. Notice what he says. He says, being on the way, the Lord led me. And the point that I want to make is, you know, when we're looking for guidance from the Lord, a lot of times people are just sort of sitting around doing nothing and saying, well, you know, I'm asking God to lead me, but he hasn't, he hasn't done that. But here's the thing. Don't sit around doing nothing. Get active. Get involved. Be engaged. There's plenty of ministry right around you that you can potentially get involved in. And it's much more probable that you're going to be led by the Lord if you're already in motion, if you're already in action. So, again, don't just sit and wait for that, you know, call to the mission field or something like that. It, get, in, get involved right where you're at. Be active, be busy about the work of the Lord right around us. There's plenty of opportunity, you know, right here. There's plenty of opportunity right here at our church. There's plenty of opportunity right here in our community. And as we involve ourselves in serving the Lord, and as I, I like the, the terminology here, being on the way, as we're just on the road of following the Lord, walking with the Lord, serving the Lord, he says then, the Lord led me to the house of my master. So as we're in motion, as we're moving ahead, we can be confident that the Lord is gonna lead us from place to place, step by step, in his timing. But again, I wanna encourage you, be open and have that expectation. Of course, through the scriptures, God will speak to us. God will give us direction. But obviously, there are things that the scripture doesn't really specifically address, aren't there? You know, when I was praying about marrying Cheryl, there wasn't a verse in the Bible that said, marry Cheryl. <laughs> so, you know, all of us have those kinds of things where you know, there, there isn't a, a verse of scripture that tells us specifically what to do, but there are verses and there are principles in scripture that give us a sense of direction. And then God, again, through this speaking to our hearts, he fine tunes that for us. But there, there's something else here. And let's read on just a little bit further and then we'll come back to it. So picking up, I think here in verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go. 
and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and said, send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10 after that she may go. And he said to them, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, oh, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahairoi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. For she had said to the servant, who is the man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, here, here's another interesting thing. Remember, as we looked at chapter 22, we talked about the type, the prophetic typology that was transpiring there in that story. We talked about the fact that Abraham was a type of the father. And we talked about how Isaac was a type of the son. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or you remember, but Isaac has been completely out of the picture since the incident on Mount Moriah. When Abraham comes back down the mountain, there's no mention of Isaac. There's no mention of Isaac again until right here at the end of this chapter. Now, here's the interesting thing. Abraham is a type of the father. Isaac is a type of the son. This servant... We're told a few things about the servant. We're told that he was the oldest servant and the one who ruled over all that Abraham had. Now, back in chapter 15, verse 2, Abraham, prior to having Isaac and you know, understanding that promise that he would have that son, he said that Eliezer his servant, Eliezer of Damascus, was his heir. And it seems that the description in 24 would fit with what we know about Eliezer, 
that he was the oldest servant and he was the one who ruled over all that Abraham had. But the fascinating thing as well is that his name is never mentioned in this story. Now, the name Eliezer is the Hebrew equivalent of what we have in the New Testament when we talk about the helper, the Holy Spirit. Eliezer means God is my helper. And of course, Jesus, he said, you know, the spirit would come and he would, the Greek is the, the parakletus, the one who comes alongside to help. Now, we know that the great work of the Holy Spirit is to gather together a bride for Christ, to draw the bride of Christ together. But we know from the New Testament that the Holy Spirit operates behind the scenes most frequently unidentified. Have you noticed that as you read through your New Testament, the Father and the Son are prominent and the Holy Spirit is always in the background? This is God's design. This is uh, the way God has done it. But this is what we see in this unfolding story of Abraham's life. We see again, remember, as Abraham is a prophet, we're seeing these, these experiences are actually prophetic. They're, they're acting out with their lives the things that God would do as, of course, the father would give the son as a sacrifice. And then the son would, in a sense, just vanish from the picture but the Holy Spirit would then take up the work of drawing a bride for the son, finding a bride for the son, and the son will not reappear until he is united with his bride, just as Isaac doesn't reappear until he is being united with Rebekah. And so we have in this story this, this beautiful prophetic type. And this is where we see the, the genius of the Lord in Scripture. How that just, you know, sort of interwoven into these stories, there's, there's this other uh, element that's being communicated. If you, you know, if you take the time to study and to really meditate on it and to look at it, you see these things, they begin to come out in the text. Look at what it says in um, verse 53. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing. The Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit brought to us during this season as we await the, um, the marriage supper, really. He's given us gifts. Just like Eliezer gives gifts to Rebecca. So again, the picture of the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And those gifts, the Holy Spirit himself being to a large extent the gift, they are the 
as, as Paul says in the New Testament, they are the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. So when Eliezer's giving these gifts to Rebecca, this is, you know, it's sort of the engagement ring kind of a thing. This is the evidence. This is the promise that you're going to be the wife of Isaac. And so the Lord has done likewise with us. He's given us that down payment. He's given us that deposit. He's given us the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And we experience those gifts working in us and upon us. We experience those gifts working through us as we do what? As we wait for the time that we are united with our Lord. So it's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. Some years ago, Pastor Chuck did a message here, one other perspective on it, talking about the, the journey from Mesopotamia back to the land of Canaan and the journey being on the back of a camel. 500-mile journey on the back of a camel. That'd be quite a ride for a young bride, wouldn't it? It'd be a bumpy ride. It'd be a, a difficult journey. But at the end of the ride, there is Isaac awaiting her. And, and the picture there is that as we are moving toward that time of being united with the Lord, we're on a bumpy ride, but we've got those jewels. <laughs> we've got those gifts. We've got the Holy Spirit, you know, bearing witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. Sometimes the road gets really bumpy, but we're, we're moving. We're going somewhere. We're moving toward that, that time when we, like Rebecca, was united with Isaac, when we will be united with the Lord, joined together with him to never be separated. So in the meantime, we want to be led by the Lord. We want to utilize those gifts he's given us. We want to be led by the Spirit. So get active. Get involved. And as you're in the way, in the way of the Lord, he'll lead you. And he'll lead you supernaturally. And you'll look back and think, wow, amazing. I can't believe what the Lord did. There's so many great stories. You know, if we, I think we could probably produce hundreds of testimonial books just of all the amazing exciting, unbelievable kinds of things that the Lord has done in this kind of a sense here. So, but thank God he does lead us like this. Let's be open to that. For the month of November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 
a non-anxious presence, how a changing and complex world will create a remnant of renewed Christian leaders by Mark Sayers. Have you sensed anxiety in our culture? Have you been affected by the viral flow of anxiety sweeping through social media networks and institutions? Have you wrestled with the loss of personal comfort and stability? If you answered yes to these questions, then you have the opportunity for spiritual growth in response to God's invitation to grow with Him. In his book, A Non-Anxious Presence, Mark Sayers argues that because of the interconnectedness of the global culture, our world has shifted from being one that was complicated to one that is complex. A complicated world requires efficiency, but a complex world requires adaptability. And this is exactly what this book was designed to do, to help you learn how to adapt in our changing world for the benefit of spiritual growth. This book, A Non-Anxious Presence, How a Changing and Complex World Will Create a Remnant of Renewed Christian Leaders by Mark Sayers is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.